Have you ever been stuck in project management hell? Wondering what is going on behind the scenes of your account manager? Are you on the client side and just can't figure out what the flow or process is with your agency? This episode is for you. In today's episode of Social PR Secrets, I interview Rakib Hasin. He comes all the way from New Zealand and we've worked together on several accounts. So now Rakib has gone on to start his own agency focusing on project management and account management and workflows. Welcome Rakib and sharing some of his social PR secrets on having the most success, whether you are on the agency side or the client side. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. And today my guest is Rakib. Hey, Rakib, how are you? Lisa, good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we um, are going to talk today about, I think, a very important topic on account management from the client side and then also from the agency side. And, you know, you, you've done a great job. I've worked with you um, as an account manager. You've been my account manager and, you know, really good at developing the relationship and the communication and, you know, staying on top of time, timelines and deliverables and, you know, kind of having to communicate when things don't go perfect, um, you know, which is nothing is ever going to be perfect. So I would love for you to first give a little bit of um, some background on where you started and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, Well, I've been working in digital marketing agencies for the last five years, Um, worked as a client success manager in my first role, looking after account management and project management for an agency based here in Auckland. Um, then I moved into 8Loop Social two years ago, where I worked with Kat Howell, and that's how I came across you and helped out with a few of your clients as well. Um, I've always loved helping people, and I find that my strong points were managing accounts, communication, and just helping others like better improve their services and operational setups. Um, and that's when I decided that it was time that I did something of my own and opened my own agency called Agency Allies, it's focused on account management, project management, and influencer marketing management. So helping other agencies get better at what they do so the CEOs, their teams can get on with running a successful agency for themselves while we take care of their clients for them. Um, the biggest factor behind that is just to help agencies do so much better and free up their time to focus on what they are good at and allowing us to do what we're good at and help them out. Yeah, I think that account management is such a critical part of, of an agency, and it really boils down to processes and systems and workflows that, you know, when you're just starting out, you really, you know, the most important thing, I think it's like, okay, we just need to get clients, and then you get yeah. clients, and then you just get busy, and then you just kind of like wing it every day, and um, you know, some people don't have any processes or systems in place, yeah. and but being part of the the Cat Howell, um, her groups and um, exposed to her processes, like I really realized how, I mean, I always knew it was important, but processes and workflows Mm. are so critical. So can you talk to us about that aspect? Yeah, I think when people think about account managers or um, operations managers and directors, they forget that these guys are the backbones of an organization, whether it be an agency or any business, they are the ones that put... So getting sales is great. You get to a point where you get the sales, then you don't know what to do. So these guys are the ones that jump on board and go, actually, let us now take care of it for you. So they become the integral part of where 
clients come on board, they onboard them, making sure the clients understand what the next steps look like. It's the account managers that manage that. Then they also help out with like putting together processes that will work for your agency as well. So a big part of what I do when I go and work for any account is make sure that they have some processes in place already. If they don't, before I even start managing accounts for them, the first thing I do is implement changes. Give consultation on what is it that you need? Have you got a pitch deck? Have you got um, processes in place? Are there platforms working? Is there integrations that you have in place in terms of communication? Have you got reports built? All these things play a big part and that's when account manager or an operations director can help you with putting all that together. I feel like if that is missing, your relationship with that client will most likely only last for a month because then they will see gaps in the way communications are taking place and how things are delivered and reporting works. You won't be able to retain that client long-term. And obviously when you generate leads, you schedule it in to grow that for as long as you can, right? So allow, by doing all these things the right way, you do that. And I think if you don't have the right account manager or if you don't have the right operations person in your agency or business, you will not be able to further grow. And I think that plays a big part by having the right person on board for it. Definitely. So what are some, um, I, I think that's interesting. You won't have a client for longer than you said, five months. So mm-hmm. that the, the stat that's, that's super interesting. So, because it's almost like the first couple months, it's, you know, the honeymoon stage and like, you know, yeah. kind of like getting to know each other and, you know, the strategy part of it. And then, you know, after month three, it's like, okay, you know, what, let's, let's see what's going on in the yeah. yeah month four and five. So when it comes to, you know, what, reporting for example so what mm-hmm. are some tips on like what's the best way to report is it weekly is it bi-weekly is it monthly and yeah. reports are just a nightmare you know you it is spend yeah. so much time on reports and then the clients yeah. don't look at them <laughs> no nah. and it is like um i've come to the conclusion that monthly reports work best um because in a month you give them a nutshell also before you even start spitting out what the matrix are you're going to measure and send up to your clients have that discussion on the onboarding call with them about what's important for them. Um, if we look at Facebook, for example, people go, oh, I made this much impressions against this much clicks. This, people don't look at that. Like you said, they don't even bother looking sometimes. So they just want to know how many sales you've generated mm-hmm. or um, how many audience build brand awareness that you got for them. So it's important to work out what is it that they actually want to know and do your reports based on that. So one thing I do is I send out monthly reports for any clients that I work with. But what I do is I then just drop them a quick email weekly of a week round summer. So what it includes in there is how did we go this week? What were some of the key highlights? And what is something that we are working on resolving? So the reason I say resolving is I don't want it to be like, hey, we stuffed this up or this didn't work. That puts the fear in their head. So I usually sum it up in a way where I put a positive spin on what didn't work and what we're doing to like better improve that on. And that's all you need to do. And that way, even if you do send a monthly reporting matrix for them, it's clear and concise and have it in a way where you look at platforms like um, there's reporting tools that you can build that's available online. There's so many that I don't want to pinpoint one that would work for an agency because I've tested multiple ones and multiple ones work. Um, it's important that you find a platform that works best for you. And if you can find one that's automatic and automates the reporting that you send to the client with a monthly summary, use that because that way they have visibility throughout. And a lot of your clients 
do know how to use the system. So they will know where you are at. So a monthly summary roundup is probably better for them. So I know you said there's a lot of different reporting systems and platforms, but can you just give us a couple of examples, especially ones that are automated that you like? Um, I personally generate all mine um, by myself, but Facebook Data Studio is a great one where it helps you generate reports in the back end. So I usually download that as an Excel because that is a live reporting based on where things are at. And I just send that up to them. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of um, another one that I've used in the past. It's just at the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of the name right now. That's okay. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, I've used that in the past and it's live reporting from it connects to Facebook, Google, all of them as well. And it just spits out the numbers live at, in that instant. So I'll send that out to you guys. You had mentioned um, also, we kind of got into this a little bit backwards, but we started talking about reporting and, you know, maybe onboarding is also something to, you know, so mm-hmm. it all starts with the onboarding. Yeah. And again, this is something that a lot of a lot of agencies don't have, a lot of businesses don't have onboarding as a process. So what are some key aspects of onboarding a client? Yeah, um, so what I usually structure that as is as soon as a sale is completed, I um, send out a quick email introducing who we are, um, include a form like a pre like summary form where they fill out basic details about what platforms they use, where they're at. Um, We call it the onboarding document. Once they've completed the onboarding document, we go through it just before booking a call with them and make sure that we have all the details we need for this call. Then the onboarding document, uh, sorry, the onboarding call itself is so important because it helps you build that relationship with the client. It puts a name and face together. It tells them who you are, what you've done and how you can help them. I take a personal, a very personal approach to that course. It's not a, hey, welcome on board. It's all business. I try and build it around like, what do you do? What do you enjoy? Get to know them a little bit better and build that personal trust. Then move on to business and talk about what is it that they're expecting from this relationship. So I always say, what do you expect from this relationship? Because it kind of builds that trust with the right words that you use. Then the onboarding call changes to, this is what we're going to be working on. Ask a bit about them. So that's when you start interviewing them. What is it? Why are you doing this? What do you want to achieve? Where are you at at the moment? Where do you see yourself in the next year? Where do you see the business going in three years? Asking the right questions and then getting other information that you will need to start their campaigns. Have they got assets? Um, Have they got things that they need help with to get the assets that they need? Have they run ads before? Are there examples that we can leverage off? What worked for them? What didn't work for them? And um, it becomes like a consultation slash relationship building slash getting to know each other during the onboarding call and if you do all those three things right from there it creates a relationship that will only get better and you will clearly understand what is it that you're implementing for that client and it will lead to further success and when it comes to upselling a month or two later on other services that you offer it gives you a good benchmark of what is it that they needed help with where they're at and it will also give them trust to trust you to help them further as well. Great. So let's talk about project management. And so once, mm-hmm. once you have an account and you start a project, what yeah. are some, some of the, the tips that you can give us on project management? Maybe some examples of project management platforms, why you like it and why you don't. Definitely project platforms are so important. Um, one thing to do is making sure you track 
everything. So I use Asana and Avata. So I've been testing those out for the last three months because obviously I don't work with the best platform there is out there. And the two that I've come to is Asana and Avata. The reason I like Avata over Asana is it does a bit more. How, how do you spell it's, the second one? It's A-V-A-Z-A. Okay. Um, and what it does is it actually lets you invoice, do quotings, do communication within the platform with your clients. So if you don't have a CRM for pre, like for the pre-client, um, it helps with that. It also lets you manage day-to-day -day tasks. It also lets you time record. It also lets your um, contractors or anyone that works for you time track and send you an invoice as well through the platform. So everything's tracked and managed really well, which is very important in project management. So obviously you need to know how much time you're spending, who's working on what and who's in charge of what and when the deadlines are. So it lets you do all of that. Again, um, Asana is great for that as well. It's just the limitations. Um, and the reason why I think it's very important to have a project management tool is because it's everything is in one place. You don't have to then look at Slack to track things. You don't have to look at emails. It's just communication in one platform. So I think that's the most important thing about project management. The other thing is making sure everyone in the team is communicated to as things happen. So a lot of people go, oh, I've just received an email on a Monday and I'll get to the team by Tuesday. Hey, now, why don't you just update the platforms with the details right away? Because especially in an agency environment, we all work remotely. We all work differently at the moment at different times with COVID as well. You know, it's made a big change in lifestyles and work environments. So the sooner you communicate anything that's pending, the better it is. And I think that an important part of project management is communication has to be on point and has to be straight. Um, and the third and most important part is communication between stakeholders as well. So if you are communicating something to the client, making sure the team understand what you've communicated. If you're communicating something from the client to the team, making sure nothing is missed between it. Even if it is just copy and paste the email you got from the client or from the team between the members, you do that because it just makes sure there's nothing left and you're not the, the last person to go, actually, I stuffed that up. It was my fault. Um, or nothing gets missed either. Like, so especially with website design as an example, um, there's so many integrations and things that happen in the back end that you communicate between clients and the team that's building it. It's so important if it's something technical as well that you don't understand that you ask and communicate that to the team building it. So that way the client gets the end result that they expected and nothing gets missed. What are some tips on controlling client expectations and scope creep? Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. with that, make sure, again, communication in client success, doesn't matter what role it is, um, account management, project management, operations, whatever you do, the main thing is communicating clear expectations. So the first thing I always do is if I'm unsure that the client didn't understand anything that we've agreed on, I reiterate it via email. Putting it in writing makes it so much easier because then you don't have to hold back and forth going, you didn't tell me this or you didn't tell me that. Actually, then you've got something to fall back on and go, hey, I did mention it on this day. So making sure everything that you communicate, whether it be on a call or anywhere, you put it in an email as a summary and send it to them um, based on what was discussed. The other thing is it's also very important to make sure that you um, agree to it or like get some form of verbal or written agreement, ideally written, because then it kind of like holds more power and again, avoids that he said, she said. Um, and also, I've lost my chain of thought there. Um, what was the question again, the second part? 
Well, we also just about scope creep, like how somebody can say, oh, can we just do this one little thing? And then mm. you kind of, you know, where do you balance like doing the added value and then scope yeah. creep, you know, where it's just out of scope and I think it's very important to like, if something new comes out that wasn't agreed to initially is going and re-looking at it to see how much time it's going to take. Is it going to add value to that relationship? If you think it's something that's a 30 minute task, that's going to add value to improve that relationship with your client. I tend to go, yep, we can get it done. It's only going to cost me this much. You know, it's worth not investing too much time back and forth communicating that it wasn't agreed to. And it also helps with that trust building. However, if it's something that's going to take you two hours to do and it's going to take, you know, it's going to start affecting the revenue that you bring in from the initial agreement that you have in place. It's about how you communicate it with the client. Again, they are in business and a lot of the times we go, oh, they're not going to like this. They're going to hate us for it. Let go of that stigma because they are in business for a reason and they know how it works. I think, again, it comes down to clear communication and letting them know, hey, yeah, we can definitely do this for you. However, it's not as part of the agreed scope. This is how much it's going to cost us because you've been with us. We're willing to do this much for you, but at this price. And I think if you clearly communicate to them, you can overcome the barriers that you might have in your head. And a lot of the times it is questions in your head that you go, mm, I don't think they're going to like it. So I'm just going to do it. Do not do that because long-term you will get taken advantage of by several of your clients and you will be missing out on increasing revenue for yourself. And Hey, um, by just having that clear communication, you know, they might give you other tasks that assi- align with that that could help generate further revenue for your business. So take that risk and just have that clear communication. One of the things you mentioned earlier was upselling the client and that's part of the account manager's job. And it sounds a little bit like if you're a client or, you know, listening to this, how agencies, you know, that the, you know, kind of the strategy is to upsell, but I mean, it's also like, it's, you're learning the client's business and you're going to be able to give them some, some recommendations that they can't see they need themselves. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. really a better way to put it, you know, versus upsell, you know, to the client, it sounds like whatever, but you Mm -hmm. know, basically the account manager's job is really to identify the needs of the client that they can't see. And, and, you know, yes, it is upselling, but it's also help helping them deepen Mm -hmm. relationship and, and, reach their business goals in a more exactly. efficient and productive way. So what are, what are some tips for that? Like, how do you um, do that? Listen, definitely listen to what your client's goals are. So I would have mentioned during when we were talking about the onboarding process, getting to know what their goals are for the next year, two years, three years, you know, if you're working with a new client that's just starting out, which we tend to work with a lot um, with um, our agency is getting to find out where they're at, where they want to go. So if it's just starting out, obviously they are focused on branding. They're focused on getting a website life. They're focused on onboarding their first three clients. But where, how many clients do they want and what can you do to get them there? So if they start off with you, for example, with Facebook, you've identified that Facebook is where it's driving revenue for them now. But how could other services help them as well? There's Google, you know, there's um, Pinterest, there's other aspects of different platforms that could better them more i mean tiktok's blowing off a lot of like econ brands and stuff like that at the moment so having that conversation earlier on just to get them thinking about it is great and then re-reaching after them after month two or three based on how their performances are going and if you're killing it with, with facebook marketing how can you kill it with google as well and educating them on it 
um, send them blog posts, send them articles that you find online in an email, a quick going, hey, I was looking at this and I thought of you guys because it makes them think that you're in, you're thinking about them all the time, even though you might not be working on their profiles as well. I think that also helps with building their trust. I think also telling them that you are in it for them, you're making it your business, their business is your business. And that's one of our biggest taglines in agency allies is let us be your agency um, or let us be a part of your team. So that way you become a part, integral part of their business as well. And they know that whatever you decide to do for them, it's the core benefit for them is that it is for them, not for yourself. Um, so making sure that they understand that as well. Um, and I think it's very important for an account manager to clearly listen to what the client actually really wants as well before they even focus on helping them further like generate revenue for themselves as well. It's a two-way street. So if you are generating revenue for them, you're generating revenue for you. So it's a win-win situation. Um, and the only way you can do that is by clearly listening and identifying where the bottlenecks are and overcoming them together with the client and getting them involved in the process and decision-making as much as you need to um, to get them the outcome that they actually wanted um, for their two to three-year goal. Yeah, I love that. So let's just flip over to the client side. And mm -hmm. um, if you're the client and you're looking for an agency and what are what are some of the the, um, the characteristics that you would want to see in an account manager and what are some tips to give to a client that is um, that they should know when they're working with an agency, controlling the expectations and making, you know, getting the most out of it so that it's a win-win. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be working with an agency, make sure that you understand that you are the prime source of that relationship. So making sure that you know what you want from that relationship and clearly communicating it. When you look at an account manager, so if you are looking at hiring an account manager, make sure that they understand what your business is about. Make sure you feel a sense of responsibility on their part. If you think they are just in it to drive money in for themselves, clearly you know that person's not for you because they're not invested in your business. It's also important to make sure that in the first couple of you know, exchanges that you've had with the account manager that they have actually done the research on who you are and what you're about. Because if they don't know you, how are they going to manage the clients that you look after as well? Um, and also making sure that they are a good listener because if they're not going to listen to you in the first few interactions that you have with them, clearly there's an issue there. So three things to look out for is are they good at communication? Are they a good listener? And are they in it for me? I think those three questions, if you answer yes to, you will have a good relationship. What about when it comes to boundaries and, you know, we're in a 24 seven digital world and we're on multiple mm -hmm. time zones. And so what recommendations do you give on setting boundaries? I've had some really good debates around this with different people. I'm sure you would have seen a couple of posts shared on um, Kat Howell's pages as well around like what is the key expectations you set to your customers or like your clients. For me, um, we have so many methods of communication now. We've got Instagram chats, we've got Facebook Messenger, we've got Slack, we've got, you know, calendars people can book at automatically to book a call with you, they can call you, text you. There's so many ways of getting in touch. Um, I have narrowed it down to if you want to have a successful form of communication, stick to emails. That way you have clear boundaries. People don't expect you to like reply straight away. You reply when you can. 
Um, and I think COVID has taught us one thing is we tend to work at different schedules now rather than the usual 10 to 3 or 9 to 5. We tend to work, you know, sometimes at midnight, sometimes during the morning. Like I know I'm more inclined towards that now. So having an email that you can respond to when you're in front of your computer is definitely the safest way. It also streamlines the communication and all the information is kept in one place. For your team internally, yep, you can use Slack to communicate with each other. Again, don't open the forum to like multiple platforms. So you have Slack, Facebook Messenger, any of that, keep it to one. Um, that will just make sure nothing gets missed and expectations are very clear that way as well. So that's great advice. I love that. Do you have, um, can you share with us some of your favorite tools that you use or, or you already shared some platforms, but mm -hmm. what are some of your secret weapons? Um, at the moment, the three go-to that I have is Avasta because I can do a lot of my things on there, including invoicing. I also use HubSpot and I am, I have a love-hate relationship usually with HubSpot, but I've come to like really love it now that I have my agencies on it myself. Um, I love Data Studio as well. Um, just so great to keep everything together. But, you know, it's as simple as Gmail. I love Gmail and the ability to like file everything. I'm very OCD when it comes to like email management. So I have a folder for all of my clients. I have a folder for all my operational tasks, any of my to-do tasks. My inbox is super clean unless I have anything pending. I have it in there. And just managing things on Gmail is so much easier. And the fact that it integrates with all of the platforms that I use um, just makes life a lot easier. So if you are looking for a tool that, you know, is going to become your favorite, make sure it integrates with the platforms that you use because it just eliminates so much time and it saves you time heaps that way. So Slack, you... Slack, I do love Slack as well for like internal team communications. Oh, Slack is like, I yeah. don't know how we lived without it. Right? I know. Yeah. yeah. Slack and so... Spotify. And I know people go by Spotify, but like you definitely need Spotify in the background as well because when I'm working, um, especially in isolation and like when with COVID, you never know when you're working by yourself. I just find like having music in the background uh, is so easy and Spotify has its own, you know, desktop icon that you can link to and it's just so convenient. Yes. So it's ironic that you mentioned HubSpot because my interview just before you, it was with the VP of marketing for HubSpot and we were talking oh, wow. about, yeah, yeah we, were, we were talking about this week was Inbound Live, yeah. Inbound 2020, their, their big conference. So I've been covering mm. it for Search Engine Journal and we've been using HubSpot for I don't yeah. know how many years and it's the same thing like I have a love-hate relationship with them yeah um, it's mostly love I would not say that to the VP of nah, yeah it's it's mostly love but it's like it, it could be expensive <laughs> and what I appreciated about them is uh, like you said it can be very expensive but what they've done is for anyone that's just starting out they've released this $50 plan a month which is definitely one of the cheapest out there that lets you do customer service sales and marketing in one place for that price yeah, I don't know anyone else that is doing that at the moment. And for me, start just starting out tuning agencies that needed like to save on cost, it was definitely the go-to. And it just meant I've got the experience of using the platform, but it was also cheaper for me. But yeah, the bigger your agency gets, the more expensive it gets. So I'll have to keep a close eye on that. But for now, definitely it's one of the best CRMs that I found out there. So yeah, and that's one of the things we were touching on was um, just how important it is to have a CRM system. I mean, HubSpot is definitely amazing, but just mm -hmm. in general, like you have to have CRM to really yeah. scale and grow and be efficient and organized. Yeah. I mean, you can, a lot of people tend to just tend to Google Excel and they save their client details on there. 
sharing that information with your team is easy as well. But what if something goes wrong? What if there's a breakdown in the server because it's not cloud-based? You know, what if you lose the information? A lot of important relevance is carried on there. And the reason why I think a CRM is also important is it lets you record conversations that you've had with the client and integrates with the emails. So everything is in one place. Let's say, um, I'll give you a situation where I fell ill two weeks ago and um, my business partner took over from things that I was looking after for the two weeks that I was away. It meant that I didn't have to share any of my confidential information on my email sign-ins or anything with her because the information was all there for her to access through HubSpot. Just that makes a big difference because then everyone in your team knows where things are at. Also, it creates stages for your customer journey as well. So if you're working on different proposals, it lets you know where you are at with each relationship in one single click, um, rather than having to scroll through an Excel page and going, oh, yeah, I'm, I was there, I was there. It takes away the confusion and the hassle of managing pre-sales and sales relationships that you have going. So yes. I highly do recommend it. It's intuitive and it's user-friendly and... Like you said, it's, you have everything all in one spot, HubSpot. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So any last words of wisdom? This has been awesome. I mean, definitely a learning experience for me and always learning and especially about account management and project management. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've kind of gone through a very um, trying year and uh, ready for yeah. 2020 to, to, to be over. But one, um, one thing I just wanted to read to you that this was in part of the keynote from inbound yesterday mm -hmm. that, um, one of the messages is that people need to realize that 2019 is not coming back. And if you're waiting yep. for 2019, you're going to basically go out of business. Yeah. Um, if, so what are, what are some you know, tips that you've learned this year to apply moving forward? Um, for me, the biggest thing this year was I didn't let COVID affect me mentally. Like I, I am going through different stages in my mental health right now. We, I've just been told that, you know, I've got severe anxiety and I don't know how to control it. So, but that wasn't due to COVID and I wasn't going to let that stop me either to do what I wanted to do. So I think you, doesn't matter what you go through in life or what happens around you, finding out what your passion is and going with that passion for me, it was always around helping others. So this last six months, I've been so focused on what is it that I can do that will help others as well. So financially, it helps me, but also mentally and emotionally, how can I make a difference to others? So that's been my biggest goal is like, don't just prioritize yourself, prioritize people around you as well and focus on that because that will give you the drive that you need to succeed at what you need to do. Um, the other thing I've learned is stop waiting for 2021. COVID's not going to go away in 2021. Things aren't going to improve in 2021 like that. It is about finding how you can change things now rather than waiting for 2021 to happen. A lot of my friends and colleagues are waiting for 2021 to happen. Like, oh yeah, everything's going to be perfect on the 1st of January. That's not what's going to happen. Start going for what you want now rather than waiting for 2021. Um, and like a lot of people are expecting things to go back to like what it was in 2019. Again, we don't know what's going to happen. And something that 2020 has taught us is every month can be so different from the other. You know, people say it keeps getting worse, but what if it gets better? but we shouldn't be waiting for that. We should be making changes now that will help us better be the better versions of ourselves. Yeah, that, that's great. Live in the advice. moment, I think, more than anything. Right, right. And thank you for sharing. You know, there's a lot of um, se severe depression and severe anxiety. Mm. Um, I think, not I think, the statistics show that, yeah. you know, during this pandemic that it's definitely increased, you know, the 
um, number of like suicides have increased mm. and they're all pointing it back to just, you know, just the pressure everybody's on from whatever the reason. So I think that's a really good, good advice is just to take yeah. things one, one day at a time and be present and not try to worry about when it hasn't actually happened yet. Exactly. And don't see 2020 as a bad thing. See it as a year that inspired you to really figure out what is, you know, the most important to you. And for me, it was family, it was friends. It was like making a difference in the community. So focus on that rather than focus on just the negatives that is happening around us. Yes, that's great advice. Well, Ricky, um, please share where we can catch up with you, um, what your website and some of your social channels are. Sure. Um, So I'm on Instagram under Wonderlust. Chris. Um, that's where I share a lot of who I am as a person, my mental journey, my um, travels, all that. But for my business, um, our handle is Agency Allies. We've got a website that is um, www.agencyallies.co and it's for any other agency owners or businesses that are looking for account managers and project managers. Um, there's a form that you can fill out to get in touch or reach out to me on Facebook as well, just under Ricky Persan. Okay. Thank you so much, Ricky, for sharing all your social PR secrets and namaste. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com free.